0: Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And man, tonight is episode 15, titled Action Creates Motivation, because tonight we have fighter and coach Johnny Smith, and joining Johnny is soccer player and coach Ryan Warsham. Both are guys who aren't afraid to coach by doing. Both get out there and mix it up with their athletes in order to lead by example. So let's not wait around. Guys, help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, Johnny Smith and Ryan Warsham. (laughs) Hi, gentlemen, Johnny, Ryan, how are we doing tonight? good good got the sun's game over up? here Got to peek at it all right well well good deal man this this is an interesting like duo that we have we got some fighting and we got some soccer but really that's what it's all about on our podcast um we're bringing stories from all walks of life anything athletics we we want to highlight it but johnny i want to start with you man um you know, before we talk about fighting, because i i got some I got some video, I got some clips, I, I got a chance to take a look at you in the octagon, man. And before we get all of that, we got to get the backstory, man. Where are you from?
1: I'm from Natchez, Mississippi. Natchez, um, small town, yeah, small town, Southwest Mississippi, right on the river.
0: Um, now I was there for
1: 18 years of my life.
0: So what what was the dynamics like in the household? You got mom, dad, brothers, and sisters.
1: I got, you know, just one sister older, um, three years older than me. So I was a freshman and she was a senior in high school. So I figure how that went.
0: Um, You you, you reap some of those benefits, huh?
1: Yeah, I guess you could say that.
0: (laughs) No, I I know what it's like. I had an older sister and and I was the punching bag for a while. And then we became best friends in high school. Yeah, we. We've come a lot closer for sure. I
1: mean, high school was a little rough, but we're pretty good. We talk a lot more now.
0: Well, that's what it's all about, man. So with, with the family dynamics, was there was athletics big in the household or was it just a, a route that you chose on your own?
1: Um, I would say athletics was big. Uh, my dad, you know, my parents weren't pushy, but they did want us, you know, if we weren't going to play sports, we had to have good grades. But uh, both of us played sports. My sister was a soccer player. Uh, cheerleader. Um, I played football, baseball, and soccer um, all throughout high school. I mean, we weren't really a big sports family. Um, None of us were super athletic. My sister's probably more athletic than I am, and that's kind of surprising for me to say because she only played one sport. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, cousins played college baseball. Uh, Hollywood would have played professionally if they didn't, you know, throw his arm out. So I would say like your average, you know, family, nothing too crazy, but a little push, but not a lot. I
0: mean, you, you said it's crazy that, that you're saying that your sister you think was a better athlete, but, man, like we we have athletes on here all the time, have older brothers, younger brothers, older sisters, younger sisters, and it's not surprising that mom. when we ask the question, who's the most athletic in the family, it's a lot of times it's mom or it's sister, and yeah. it's just because they're – dedication and and they just have it they have the skills and they they have the knowledge they they have like the total package there's always the guests that we're talking to always say like they their sibling or their mom or that person that's most athletic is definitely they got got it all all the skills so um it, it sounds like to me like you you were a football player a baseball player and a soccer player, like, there's a lot of skills involved in all three of those sports. I mean, you've you're got baseball, which you do a lot of standing around, but it takes a lot of power and a lot of speed from from for short bursts. Football, a lot of power, a lot of strength, a lot of speed. And then there's soccer, which is similar, but there's an endurance uh, area that goes with that. So in high school, were you just a, a, a dominant athlete or were you just a guy that was just kind of, you know, you were average and good at everything and and you just participated because you were good enough to make the team?
1: Um, no, I mean, I wasn't a dominant athlete by any means. I probably was actually my most athletic right before this last fight in this past year. Um, actually one of my best friends from high school called me the fattest quarterback in MAIS. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) So I was, you know, I was a guy that didn't really take weightlifting seriously and, uh, did was just enough to be a little bit above average but if you know if i probably would have actually took it a little bit more serious know i would probably have been a better ball player but yeah not well, a dominant
0: Dan,
2: athlete by any means daniel sounds like a lot of people we went to school with doesn't it uh,
0: yeah i mean it, it it's easy it's easy looking back on it to go man i should have just done this or i should have worked a little bit harder here or i wish i yeah. could have changed this but like in reality in high school with everything that's being thrown at you, like hell, like <clears> it's, you're just lucky to make it through sometimes. And so like, I, I get it, man. It's, it's tough to navigate, but you did have some skills. Were there anything that, that allowed you to play any college sports or was college just something where you chose, I'm just going to go academically, get my degree and, and, and move on.
1: Um, you know, I tried out college soccer, um, same thing. That's how I met Worsham. Uh, didn't take it as seriously as I probably could have. He knows that. But uh, yeah, I played a little college soccer, but you know, what I college? definitely not at Hines Community College. Okay.
0: okay. Right. So, what did what did you study at Hines?
1: I'm um, actually halfway through an accounting degree. I went all the way through almost like I probably would have graduated early. And then I just had this epiphany that I did not want to do that for the rest of my life. And well, you know the last semester, well, not the last semester, but I was still doing it, and then I changed over to exercise science.
0: So, did you transfer out of Heinz and, and you went somewhere else?
1: Well, we did you know community college two years there, and then I went to Southern Miss, uh, there for three years. So, I took a victory lap, you know, fifth year senior. Um, it was good,
0: enjoyed every minute of it, but uh, yeah. So
1: Two polar so, opposite degrees.
0: Hey, man, when, when I think about accounting, I think about math. And when I think about math, like my head starts to, to spin. And not in a good way, not like Alan in the hangover at the blackjack table. But yeah. I, like I want to run my head into a wall when I start thinking about math. So I, I, can, I, I can sympathize with you 100% and wanting to change the route that you went. Um, but you were able to finish up at Southern Miss, and, and, and you got a degree, which man, Hey, kudos to you, man. Cause you know, it's, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. I don't care what anybody says. There's a lot of people in college, but there's a lot of people who don't go and can't go. So man, shout out to you for, for finishing it up. And I'm sure that, you know, it, what you got your degree in is, is probably help more beneficial to what you're doing now than an accounting degree yeah, in some regards. For sure. But uh, transition over to Ryan, man. Ryan, dude, say, you know same questions, man. I gotta get the backstory. Yeah. Somehow you and Johnny have met, but before then, you were a young tyke. <laughs> where where are you growing up? Where are you from?
3: Yeah. So originally, I'm from Plano, Texas, which is a city right outside of Dallas. Um, moved to Pearl when I was about three, and yeah, that's where I grew up growing this city. So.
0: Let me ask brothers, sisters, anybody more athletic than you and your family? I have a younger sister. She's pretty athletic. Uh,
3: you're never going to get me to admit that she's more athletic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she was, a, she was a good athlete
0: in her own right. Yeah, yeah there's, there,
1: there,
0: there's no in between. It's either the guests that come on, they, they give, they're very humble and they give themselves up to their younger sibling or they're 100%, I am the best athlete in my family, hands down. And, and it's crazy. But, you know, we, we've had guys come on here. Like, seriously, we've had guys come on. Their their older brother is, is in professional baseball, and they're still claiming that they're better than them. So
2: the, the, Yeah, the, the, be, the best is what he's referring to. Cameron James came on here and looked just dead in the eye, said, I'm the best athlete. And then Keegan James, who's in pro baseball, came on. And uh he actually said it was his sister. And uh, you know, his sister's scheduled to come on in a couple of weeks, so we'll see where she goes with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But um but growing up in 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 Pearl, what what age were you when you when you got to Pearl?
3: Uh I was about three. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, right in so there. Plano was was just it wasn't really much. It was just a, a blip on the on, on the map of the 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 continuum of, for, of your yeah lives. apparently
3: it's, it's shot up
0: since since i left yeah hey anything outside of texas or, or dallas and arlington man it's, it's everybody wants to be there especially if you're a cowboys fan so um for sure so so in in pearl when do you start getting into athletics and and what athletics were you were you playing was it just soccer no no um
3: man, I was blessed. My parents signed me up for just about everything you can sign, be signed up for, uh, at a young age, uh, along with like making sure I was in church and stuff. Uh, I grew up playing soccer, uh, baseball, basketball, and in high school, I ended up taking on tennis and swim as well. Um, I was in choir, man. I'm telling you anything. I was blessed. Uh, they let me, they just kind of signed me up for everything. And, and and let me find what I enjoyed and what I was good at and, and just rolled.
0: So so eventually you, you find soccer, correct?
3: Yeah, yeah. Soccer is the first love and, and it was definitely the one I was best at.
0: So what what does that look like? Are you are you playing recreational? Are you playing like club and travel soccer? Or like where where does it start for you?
3: Yeah, so Man, I probably started about three or four years old, just wrecked, uh, just coach, coach, uh, coach ball, my dad coaching us out there, and about 10, 11 years old, uh, I started playing travel ball, um, played travel ball a bit until I graduated high school, um, along with high school.
0: What, uh, what club did you play for? Was it the same, same club all the way through?
3: no uh, I played I played for a number of different clubs. Uh, the first one I played for was called Mississippi United at the time which is now rush um, and I played for them a couple of years and then ended up playing for Brandon Football Club or BFC uh, in Brandon, Mississippi and then my last couple of years I played for a team in Jackson called CJso uh,
0: what where do you think you developed the most in which one of those clubs because I mean the way I look at it, you're varying ages when you're in those different clubs, so did you get better early on and get a bunch of skills, or was it the, the middle years where you have these skills and now you're really developing them, or was it the back half where you're adding complexity to a good list of skills that you already had?
3: Yeah, i definitely say it was that that back, uh, those last two years with CJSO, um, by that age, you're it's kind of thinning out the players that, that are serious about the sport, you know, once you get your driver's license and that kind of thing. Um, so, man, I play with some really good players. Uh, a couple of them end up playing in MLS. Um, a couple of them are still playing semi-professional now. Uh, so, yeah, playing with those guys uh, definitely helped my game,
0: for sure. So, so you, you end up going to Heinz, but what what did the recruiting process for you look like? Was it mostly through the, the club team or was it through your high school team or a combination of both? How, how did you get on Heinz radar and how did you inevitably choose Heinz as the school that you wanted to go to?
3: Yeah. So soccer is kind of strange. Uh, it's not like football where most, most of the kids get scouted at high school. Um, most colleges are going to see you play at, at club tournaments at, at showcases. Um, but in my instance with Heinz, they actually, uh, offered me after my first high school game, my senior year, um, so it just kind of happened to work out that one of the i ended up going with one of the local schools that came to watch a high school game but soccer is one of those sports where if you want to be seen at a high level you definitely got to play club and go to those showcase tournaments
0: so was it the way i picture it and, and jim you you can chime in here too because jim's daughters travel soccer high school soccer yeah. and the way I picture it is like it's almost an every weekend thing where you got to be on your A game because you never know who's in the stands, who's watching. Is, is it like that? Yeah, yeah, especially especially those last two years,
3: last three years of, of high school. Uh, I remember we'd go to we went to a couple of college showcases and our parents couldn't sit on the sidelines because there, there was just college coaches lined up.
0: So so why, why was it, you know, obviously you end up behind. So what what in your head was like, that's where I want to go? Was it because they offered you so early and you just said, you know what, I want to take the guesswork out of this and and enjoy the rest of my year and I'm going to commit now? Or was it something special that they, they said to you or did for you? Yeah. So my recruitment was really,
3: really slow. I got offered really early and I ended up not committing until about April, May of my senior year. Um, and Doug Williams, the head coach at Heinz, he was awesome. Um, I, he let me kind of enjoy the recruitment process and kind of kind of go to these showcase tournaments and, and you know, see what offers laying on my table. Uh, but, yeah, but at the end of the day, uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, the Heinz campus. And, and Doug, if, if you ever get a chance to meet him, he was an awesome dude. I was really excited about playing close to home. So, decided, yeah, to just go play uh, – Play my first two years, I knew I'd, I knew I'd probably get playing time right away, and so yeah, I went, went to Heinz and, and played. Yeah, Daniel,
2: to you know, speak to what you're asking and to to tell Ryan about something he knows about. Basically, there was uh, six teams, one in which uh, he used to coach, uh, doing a seven v seven today out at Lewisburg, and um, the best player for Desoto Central, um, she absolutely wrecked us at Hernando, but the club level has gotten hurt as she just got back from Daytona where she basically played for an all-American team and basically colleges are beating down her door. And it's not because of what she's done at DeSoto Central because she was their player of the year, but no one's coming out to DeSoto Central and watch her. They're coming out to watch her at club ball. And then ultimately she's going down to Daytona, like I'm saying, and being seen there. So like Ryan said, it's, it's never going to be school ball. That's really going to land you there. Um, but, yeah, uh, switching back to Johnny for a minute, and I'll come back to you, Ryan. We're going to get into all things soccer. Johnny, man, yeah. let's, let's talk about it. You know, we've you would be, I think, the eighth fighter we've had on here, and it's always an interesting story how you become a fighter. So, you know, how, how does it become you're a football player, baseball player, soccer player, but you become a fighter? How does that happen?
1: I guess I have, like, two stories on that because – you know, I fought and then took a lot of time off and then came back. And, uh, you know, originally I was always interested into it. Um, my next door neighbor when I was 14 fought, and that was way back in the day. Um, you know, they, it wasn't, it was back in a ring, it wasn't in a cage. Um, backwoods, really back Mississippi, throwing down? Yeah, pretty backwoods. I mean, the backyard brawls. They're, the ring broke one of his fights. He was fighting super heavyweight, you know, his opponent was 320, he's like 300, and the ring broke, and they had to stop the fight. So that's what we're talking (laughs) about here. Um, And I was always interested into it. I remember, like, when I was younger, I was watching the show Tap Out, and, like, a lot of people don't even know what Tap Out was. Um, Before, it was a clothing brand. Like, it was, you know, the show with the mask, and they would go find these guys, and, I remember I took a pair of baseball gloves and uh, tried to put cotton balls in them to make MMA gloves when I was, like, oh, like, like 12, probably. Um, so I was always interested in it, but, you know, I was from Natchez, the city, there was nothing there for it, really, except for if you were going to train in your backyard like those guys did. But um, I guess I – you know, I ended up quitting soccer my sophomore year, halfway through the season. And uh, I don't know, I always had, like, confidence issues, for sure. Like, big-time confidence issues on the field – in person. I'm always this loud, energetic person, but for some reason I just have confidence issues I and mean, it, it would carry over sports. And uh you know, one day I was just like, all right, well, you know, you have nothing else to do. You don't wanna I didn't want to be that guy that just, you know, got done with class or would get a job or get a job, get done with that, and go lift weights and then like, you know, go to the house. I always like wanted to do something, be a part of something. So I started training in Jackson, Mississippi with um some guys up there who actually I'm still Close with really, really. Now I've lived in Texas and Colorado, and came back and still talked to these guys. Some of them are probably about to break into the UFC or Bellator, and uh, I started training Jackson, and i ran run off a little bit. just a little long story, and then moved to hattiesburg and uh, you know I didn't think I was going to keep up with it. I didn't think I was going to keep doing it, and you know some life some life events happened, and I needed to kind of you know, you know just get back right, get back in check, and. Uh, I started training again, and that's how I met my coach now, Eric Graham, who's like an older brother to me almost. And uh, took my first fight, choked the dude out in a minute and a half, and uh, it was kind of – that was my amateur career history from there. You know, I just kept doing it until I moved to Texas.
2: Yeah, it's intriguing you say that because, you know, I keep, you know, referring back to the other fighters you have had on, and somehow you're like the fourth guy to say you got your life straightened back out by punching somebody in the mouth. That's, you know, kind of not what we're taught growing up, right? Like, that's the opposite yeah. direction of what you're supposed to be going, but uh, it seems to be the way for you. Um, you know, is there – you know, you're mentioning the guys you're close with. Um, you know, a lot of the fighters we've talked to come out of Memphis, they train in the same gym. Is there is there a gym facility where there's a, a lot of guys that you train with on the norm?
1: Well, so I trained at Grand MMA and we have you know, now I would have been the fifth pro, but obviously I didn't get to fight. Um I'll still do my pro debut for sure. Um, we'll get into that. But I train with Graham and Mary. That's Jim and Hattiesburg. And then, you know, you got, we're all like, there's the Killer Bees Association. So there's one in Jackson, there's one in Vicksburg, and there's one in uh, Hattiesburg, where I'm from. And then, you know, I still cross train with the guys in Jackson. And then I cross train with some guys down in uh, American Top Team in Diaberville every now and then. But, uh you know, it's kind of like, Everybody does train together a little bit, but we're also still kind of distant, you know. I might end up having to punch you in the face one day, you know. So
2: Well, check it out, Johnny. You know, uh, for those who haven't got to see yet, we want them, we encourage them to go watch you. But, you know, Daniel got us a little surprise. So Daniel, go ahead and hit us with the with a little Johnny introduction. Dude. Daniel got us a little clip, a little introduction of uh, one of your amateur fights, and so with that, I want to get into
0: it, man. Um, you know, I, I will say that that ring announcer was fired up. I don't know who he was. Or... David
1: Hardy is one of the originals, man. That dude is a character and a trip. He
0: he was good. I like he he had my attention. So. But
2: that I mean that's their job. If you can't get me hyped up for the fight, man, you're failing. So um, yeah. you know with that. You know, talk us through your first your first fight, man. What was that like? Like, you obviously told us how quick you you took care of business. But, like, I, I don't know. Give me the, the mindset the first time you're ever stepping into, uh, you know, a real sanctioned fight.
1: Um, I was pretty scared shitless. <laughs> uh, you know, I was uh, – you know, I'm not really the most athletic guy. I've never really been ripped up or muscle-bound or anything like that. And I'm fighting this dude who looks like a killer. Um. Yeah, ripped up a little bit bigger than me. I've never fought a guy smaller than me ever in my life. I've all, even when I fall down at 155, I cut down to 155, a terrible cut. The dude was 6'3. I'm 5'10, barely. And uh, so I was just scared to death, honestly. And you know, when you get in there, you start getting comfortable eventually. Like I noticed my past two fights, I, I took so close together that I got comfortable in the cage. But you, it's really instinct once you're in there. Like if you, especially your first couple, it's, you just go off what you've learned. It's kind of like the flow state, but it's not the flow state. Um, well, for
2: you, it, is it, all right. Cause we've heard from different, from different fighters, different views. For some, it feels like everything moves fast. And for some, it feels like it really slows down for you. Which is it? It,
1: it was the first one was fast. <laughs> everything was just rolling. Um, you kind of had blinders on It just, Kind of happened. You don't even remember exactly what happened. Um, they slowed down, but definitely that first one was super fast.
2: Um, what would you say was your, of your amateur fights, what was your favorite fight? Oh,
1: my favorite amateur fight. I got to fight for LFA in Dallas, Texas, because a guy named Darren Whitney, and uh, he was the, that was my 155 fight. Um, that was probably my favorite because we slugged it out a pretty good bit. Um, but it was just cool, like getting to fight. Like, there's guys that was on that fight card that are in UFC now, and you yeah, know, like, I don't know if y'all know what LFA is, like, it's fighting the lines, but yeah, pretty up it's pretty up there. And no, we, uh, uh, we had Jalil who was, uh, Jalil Williams, yeah, okay, yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, so I got to fight them, and uh, you know, being still an amateur, but being on the amateur undercar for that was cool, like, just seeing that. Like, the whole production and seeing like how like a real professional fights are done. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. So with that same fight, would,
2: would that be who you'd consider your toughest opponent or is there somebody else who made it even harder for you? Cause you said y'all are doing a slugfest, So I feel like that could
1: be it, but I feel
2: like there might be somebody else on there.
1: Stylistically just how tall he was, was tough. Um, you know, I hate to say it. The, I lost that fight. I broke my hand in the second round, fought into the third, and they called it a DARS. Um, if I could, there, I, no, I would say, uh, yeah, my second fight. That's the one I want back more than anything. Um, I still feel like I want that fight. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, you know, he went off. Trained in Vegas. Uh, trained for Factory X in Denver. Um, he was. Oddly tough. He was really weird. Weird Southpaw. Really stiff dude, but he just he can crack. He can crack. Um, but yeah, that was probably my toughest. I'd say honestly, it was weird. Like if you see the guy, you would be like him. Nah, he was tough.
2: You know, it's funny that you you mentioned you felt like you wanted, and one of one of the hardest things about you know being an MMA fan is when you feel like the judges get it wrong. And, and it's interesting because you and Ryan are both on together and you played soccer. Uh, Daniel's issue is soccer. There's ties. And I explained to him, I said, you know, there's draws in other sports. And then there, and then I brought up MMA. I said, then there's where they just plain out get it wrong. So I was like, I, I got beef with it just as much as you got a, a, a beef with a tie in soccer. So I, I really hate um, the, do you remember, I don't know how much you, how much of the UFC you watched, but there was, I think Max Holloway two fights back where he was yeah. clear cut the winner and somehow he didn't, didn't win. And that, like I had a boy who, who had an eight leg parlay and that was the only yeah. one that missed and he won that
1: fight. <laughs> and so my boy yeah. should have won 3,500 that night and these judges blew it for him. Yeah, no, I'm a pretty big MMA nerd. You can ask anybody about it. Um, and I'm a pretty uh, big gambler too. So, ah, so you're all about that. Yeah, I put pics on my Instagram all the time. Like, if I hit a big parlay, you're going to see it. Uh, Who's your favorite fighter? Honestly, I'd have to say Boyer. Dustin Boyer, man, he's just like, I mean, he's from Lafayette. I'm two hours from Lafayette from where I grew up. So, so do you know who the Cajun Ninja is? Maybe, but I don't know. He's a
2: celebrity chef from from down there, and he is a big Boyer fan, and he came on here and, uh, and he he's all thing Louisiana sports, but he was he was all about him. We had a whole conversation, so I was just curious, being from the same area, if maybe you had heard of him.
1: It was about two and a half hour away, but that was a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up before I even really thought there was a show called Fight Bill. It was a documentary, and that was Poirier. That was before he, that was, he. like went to the CFFC up in Canada, and then he won that and got in the UFC, and that was before he ever even made UFC. So um, I don't know. I'd have to definitely say Poirier, and I'm not a big McGregor fan whatsoever. <laughs> but
2: back well, he's to the falling off. he's
1: falling off anyway so yeah
2: Just do wait. Want to...
0: and, and, and next week in two weeks he's going to be back on the map watch
1: you're and calling it. that
0: uh, yeah calling that
1: I don't know there's something in the UFC water they figure out how to make it interesting um, but the judging thing yeah they got to figure out something um, but it's, it's a little too complex to do the 10-9 scoring system and those judges are absolutely Trash. Um, they have a few good ones, but I mean, you got some people that don't. Like, it um, was. Anyway, I think it's Ed Edwards and Frank Trade, You know, they want it to be. You have to have fault. You know, you have to have fault to be a judge, um, or honestly, even a ref. You got to have some type of skill. Like, you don't have to have fault in the UFC or something like that, but be a black belt or purple belt brown belt be something and you know have a little bit of knowledge of the game before you get in there
2: yeah no absolutely that makes sense so swinging it back around to you you know you talked about your pro mma debut it was set for may 15th we we had you scheduled to come on to talk about it um after your your fight was scheduled in hattiesburg and then um you know you got hurt man tell us
1: about the injury so probably my best fight camp ever um Everything in place. Obviously, you know, we're getting the same conditioning stuff, but, you know, I work with pro athletes all the time, so I understand how you're supposed to train for these types of things and nutrition. And, I mean, everything was perfect, which is a problem, number one. And that shouldn't be perfect. Um, and I was sitting there. With, I had a mid-session with my coach, and I was like, man, nothing really bad's happened on this. Like, everything's good. And then I was doing kind of a walk through. Kind of a, you know, it was like fifty sixty percent where small gloves moving. We're a little bit under two weeks out, so we're not really striking hard, but we're just getting a good feel for the small gloves and no shin pads and you know, uh, clinches. A little bit of mixing your strikes and takedowns. And my boy Doug, you know, me and him got into a kind uh, of dogfight position from the knees, and I tried to. Uh, knee tapping forward, and he kind of pulled back at the same time. Y'all probably, this is probably Spanish to y'all, but uh, it's an over under position where my shoulder and my arm is behind his back, and he has a, a lock kind of on my uh, shoulder. And I pulled forward, he pulled back, and my peck just popped. And I thought I just looked at my shoulder. I thought I was fine. I got up, and my coach Eric was like, Hey, man, no, you. I just saw your peck tear, like your pec torn. So we went into the uh, coach's office. I'm cussing, screaming about to cry I actually did cry um he told me to you know, flex my pec and i did and then i saw it i was like okay well this is probably gonna need surgery um did not have that have surgery um it was a tough moment and the two weeks after that was very tough too um,
2: yeah i mean no doubt dude you like you don't even like when you say you say you cried i mean Dude, you train so hard for something it doesn't matter what the sport is but specifically you fighters i mean like you talked about you get your body just right you get yourself in the best shape of your life and in your case you're just what less than two weeks out and and that happens like that so i mean i could only imagine the wave of emotions so with that um you know how is the recovery process going since you didn't have to have surgery
1: i'm like seven weeks out um you know, I work with an orthopedic clinic and, you know, they took, care, they did really have shot to the clinic. You know, they took care of me really, really well. Um, I mean, it's coming along pretty quick. I mean, it's crazy, honestly, how fast it's been moving. Um, it's never going to be hundred um, percent when you tear a muscle the way I tore it. I mean, you can have surgery and reattach it, or you can hopefully have enough scar tissue and it come back together and, you know, it kind of forms a full pack, but I will never have a full pack again and have a, Longitudinal tear in my bicep, which is like, you know, usually you have a tear. I think you have a, uh, a rubber band, you tear it in half. Well, think about it, if you tear it down the middle, down long long, long way, that's the split straight down the bicep. So it was a very interesting and pretty cool injury, actually, but I still wish it wouldn't happen.
2: Well, I know you got some other things going on, and I'm going to let Daniel talk to you about that a little bit. But I mean, is the plan still to get back
1: in the octagon? I have to do my pro debut fight. Um, I have to at least fight pro once. You know, I got a lot of stuff in life right now. Um, you know, I I need fighting in my life. You know, it gives me structure and it keeps me disciplined. And, but, you know, I kind of want to, you know, fix that and be disciplined without it. And then, you know, hopefully do another fight.
2: I gotcha. All right, well, I'm going to transition back to Ryan for, for now. Ryan, let's get into some soccer, man. Um, You know, you said you went to Heinz um that was the spot for you you got recruited early um you know tell me tell me about what it was like when you got there to Heinz and started playing soccer
3: yeah man it was it was awesome uh you know kind of first time being out of the house um and yeah we uh we got there first time stepping on campus was for uh two days uh, we had about two weeks and two days before school started and we hit the ground rolling um so yeah I just kind of came into it with the mindset of hey you know I'm gonna give everything I got
2: and what happens happens. I gotcha and so you know I'm familiar with you know the Juco circuit in Mississippi more so from a baseball perspective you know I'll go I go watch all the same colleges that you played against in soccer and baseball. Um, how good is, uh, is the Mississippi Juco soccer you know is it, is it, is it pretty top
3: notch? Um, it's getting better. Uh, When I was there, they had a rule where we could not have any international players, and you could only have about two out-of-state players. Um, They've kind of switched that and flipped that around now uh, so that when Mississippi teams get to the national level, they can actually compete because we were one of the only states that had that rule. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely getting better now. I know Holmes girls just lost in the national championship game.
2: So let me ask you this, um, and this is something I was thinking as Daniel was talking to you in the recruiting process, and one of the things that's unique, um, you know, obviously uh, I've been watching SEC women's soccer with my daughter, and SEC, you know, isn't available, you know, to men. Um, You know, is that ever going to change? Do you think there will be an opportunity to where guys with, you know, you all skill level will be able to play up with those ranks in d one
3: man i hope so i hope so uh i was never good enough to play at the d1 level but I definitely uh, don't walked. don't be I was humble opportunity. you would you <laughs>
2: would you You would have played you would have played at uh, mississippi state old miss southern miss something like that you know you would have
3: uh i definitely would have walked on i'll tell you that or
2: at least try to so. i got you so let's let's talk about your your two years playing there um you know uh we talked about the league as a whole but how did your team let's we'll start with first year how did your team do how did you do is that uh,
3: center hill uh no uh when you were at Heinz oh at Heinz yeah, yeah yeah uh so yeah so Heinz my first year there uh we actually struggled uh early um but as the year went along we kind of grew as a team and uh, and got better and we ended up losing uh in the state championship game uh we early on, we got I think we got beat by Gulf Coast, like five or six, nothing. Uh, and then by Pearl River, like six or seven, nothing. And we ended up beating Gulf Coast 3-1 first round and lost to Pearl River in the state championship game, one nothing. So definitely struggled early, but uh, finished strong. Yeah, it's always about how you finish. Um, and, you know, for those who don't
2: know, I obviously know. But what position did you play?
3: I played all over, uh, mainly uh, outside mid either on the right or left side and sometimes in the middle as well.
2: Were you known more for uh, your distribution, your scoring, defense,
3: what? Uh, Probably my touch. Uh, I never was the fastest or, or the biggest or strongest, uh, but I, I always uh, made sure that I worked on my touch. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely say that.
2: Man, I've seen you out there on the field. You're If you're not fast, I don't know what fast is, bro. <laughs> But all right, let's get it. Let's get into that second year. All right, so you're coming off. Uh, you make it to the
3: championship. You lose. How does the, How does the second season go? So the second season, we had a really good squad. Uh, we ended up losing in the semifinals to Gold Coast that year, uh, which was disappointing. Uh, we had a team good enough to win it all, but it didn't work out.
2: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately that that happens. But I mean, I I would say those are you know obviously you know, you always want to come on with the championship, but making finals, making semifinals, it shows that you were on a competitive team. Um, I'm sure you, you highly enjoyed, um, being there and obviously, you know, we'll get into your coaching, but I know your knowledge that you got from playing the game and obviously that came from there. So, um, you know, shout out to, to those who coach you to where you could become the coach you are. So with that, um, we obviously, uh, you know, you went to Southern Miss, you know, Johnny talked about it, when you decided to go to Southern Miss, did you already know what you were going to do, did you know that, that teaching and coaching was what you wanted?
3: Yeah, so when I was at Heinz, I was actually studying to be an orthopedic surgeon, um, but my second year at Heinz, I I was sitting in class, and I was just visual, I was like, man, this isn't what I want, uh, and so yeah, I took some time, uh, told my parents, prayed on it, and yeah, going into Southern Miss, uh, I I knew that I wanted to be around the game, uh, so and I knew I wanted to impact people's lives, so, so coaching and teaching became a pretty obvious choice at that point.
2: To uh, to stay with Southern Miss, but to sidetrack off soccer real quick, just because you know on social media you were at the baseball games and Southern Miss had a big year, and we we are a big yeah. baseball show. We do all sports, but we have more baseball players than anything. How fun was the ride this <laughs> year with
3: Southern Miss? Oh man, it was awesome. It was awesome. I, yeah, I got to go up to Oxford for the regional. Man, it was a blast. Uh, it didn't turn out the way we wanted to, but uh, man, I, our guy's fault. Uh, I, I will tell you, I looked at my
2: wife when that, that original Ole Miss game went 4 nothing, Um, Ole Miss right off the top. I think it was 4. They scored in the, the tougher. And I said, you know, Ryan can just go home. This is going to get <laughs> ugly. And then the bottom of the first happened. And, uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> it oh, yeah. Got it. I mean, Southern Miss, they could put up runs with anybody in college baseball. I mean, would you agree? Uh,
3: especially that weekend, for sure. Put up two dozen the night before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure.
2: But, obviously, getting back on track, um, you know – you end up coming, uh, you end up coming to our direction or my direction, and you end up coming to to North Mississippi, and you accept a job at uh, Center Hill, and and then you also coach with the uh, the Lobos program. Um, you know, was was there multiple options for you coming out of Southern Miss that that you had to choose from, or was you know what made you decide to come here?
3: Yeah, so uh, after I graduated Southern Miss, so my last semester I was actually completely online. So I moved back home, and Chris Rash, who was who's my high school coach, was awesome enough to let me hop on as an assistant at Pearl. Um, so I graduated in December, and yeah, that May I was I was really looking for for my own head head coaching position, my own program, uh, to kind of start my coaching career, I guess. And so yeah, I sent out uh, to man, uh, I interviewed all the way on the coast at Our Lady and. All the way, all the way up north at Center Hill, and uh, yeah, God bless me with uh, with an opportunity to coach at Center Hill. All
2: right, so the first question I want to ask you because uh, you know, for those who don't know, you've you've coached multiple ages within the club level. Then obviously, um, in the high school, you've you've coached the girls and the boys. Um, what's harder to
3: coach, boys or girls? Man, they they both have their own challenges. Uh, guys, you got to fight through the ego ego a little bit. Um, girls, if you if you if they if they like you, man, they'll run through a brick wall for you. Uh, but girls, there's stuff other than the sport that you got to deal with as well. So they uh they definitely both have their own own challenges and their own uh, advantages.
2: Daniel, just so you know, that statement he made is accurate. Um, my daughter would absolutely run through a brick wall for this dude and even when he wasn't her coach anymore he still came out and watched because he's that kind of guy with that kind of character so um he he is a player's coach if if i've ever seen one and i know daniel uh because daniel was a coach in baseball as well and uh and daniel appreciates that himself um so you know, you said – you talked about which one was easier, harder between boys and girls. What is harder to coach, the club level or high school? Ooh.
3: Man, um, so far – that's tough. Uh, so far, probably high school level. Because um, usually at the club level you have you have guys or girls that, that want to play at the college level someday and want to play at a high level. Um, that isn't always the case at high school. Um, uh, man, I've been blessed with with high school players who want to work and who want to be out there. So, man, it's been pretty e- even for me. Uh, but yeah, I probably lean to club being a little bit easier. That's actually, I actually found that
2: surprising. You know, because um, you the, know the club pay is better. Well, that's what, but that's why it's surprising me because there are parents paying X amount of dollars and there are these expectations that I feel like club would be harder because there's a lot more pressure.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Now I will say that. God, there is a lot more pressure from parents and stuff at the club level. Uh, but as far as the kids go, man, if, if they want to be out there, it's, it's a pretty easy job for me. All right. So
2: Ryan, I got a question for you. And I need Daniel to chime in after I ask you because, you know, I've never talked to you about this, but there's a rumor about you as a teacher. They say
3: in World Geography class, you play on your phone a lot. Is that true? <laughs> that is definitely not true. I need you to tell me who gave you that information so I can go back and change it. Da-
2: Daniel's the principal down in um, Tampa. So, Daniel, do you have any thoughts about a teacher who's on their phone during class and then gets snitched on? Depends on how many games <laughs> they're
0: winning. <laughs> if they're no, winning, that, that's if, not if, if they're winning, then – geography ain't changed so
2: <laughs> all i can tell you it's a boy and i've known him for about 15 years so i can't dime him out but you can try you can try to research or find it but that's he said all right you know what this will this will narrow it even da- even further down if you want to do it, if you want to go figure it out he would he'd have to be a soccer player and in one of your classes because he said you're an amazing soccer coach but you play on your phone when you teach so that's that's uh, what I'm that's that's what I'm giving <laughs> you. All right, so you know we we say Center Hill, we say Lobos, but we know uh, or I know that is not the future. Talk about your new opportunity that you're fixing to take
3: on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, man. I this this spring I accepted a job at St. Patrick Catholic, Catholic High School uh, in Biloxi. Uh, we this last month I I got down there. Uh, right towards the end of May and we've, we've been training all month and having team meetings and bondings, and and man, it's, I could not tell you how I can be more excited about it, about this group. and we've had a really good month uh, ready to hit the ground running in August. Hey, man,
2: anytime you get out of North Mississippi, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know how I got back here. Uh, you say the word coast. I've been on two different coasts, and somehow I find myself back here. So, anytime you get
3: an opportunity to get out of here, I'm not going to lie to you. Take it, bro. <laughs> hey, man, I was, I was blessed to meet some amazing people in North Mississippi, and a lot of people I'll, I'll talk to for a very long time and keep in touch with. But I'm, I'm definitely excited, for sure.
2: All right, so I got one last thing, and I and I need you to do something for me. Daniel yep. is not a soccer guy, and mm-hmm. we have had I don't know five six soccer players on here, and uh, he he says it's it's just not the sport for him. He uses ties as an excuse. He uses other different things as excuse, but yet he's a big hockey guy, which is re- real interesting. Um, but I've had every soccer player come on here. And give him a pitch on why soccer is something he should invest his time in watching. So whether it's World Cup, high school, college, you know, MLS, whatever, get give Daniel a pitch on why he should he should give soccer a try.
3: Yeah, so Daniel, man, so yeah, the more you watch soccer, the more you're gonna love it. I, uh, to me, in my opinion, it's, it's there's not another game like it in the fact that there's so much strategy involved into it but in an instant it can switch to an individual taking on another individual um so yeah man there's there's not another game like it uh there's so much strategy involved some but at the same time there's a ton of skill that has to go into it um so yeah promise you the more you watch it the more you'll enjoy it
0: look ryan no hard feelings man i i respect the athletic part of soccer and the skill part of soccer and the strategy part of soccer. But (laughs) yeah, I, I cannot for the life of me go out and run 90 minutes and go, all right, guys, one-to-one. See y'all next time. (laughs) But what's the,
2: what's the difference between it and hockey? We're going to have this discussion again, man. You in one-to-one the same way they're just skating. Yeah. and if you Different. give me the physicality part, Ryan will tell you, especially
0: in girls' soccer, man, they lay each other out. Yeah, but it ain't. Oh, yeah. it, I mean, you're not going to convince me that soccer is more physical than hockey. It's not.
2: <laughs> and they they ain't got no pad. They ain't got no pads on, bro. You ain't watched my daughter play yet.
0: Well, I told you that that'll be the soccer game that I watch. So Ryan, Ryan, don't let him fool you. Like World Cup soccer, like I'm invested in the country. Like I, I will yeah. watch a game. If it ends in a tie, like I'm not gonna be happy about that. But like, <laughs> I'm not afraid to like be prideful in my country and watch big games. When Daniel, if you could, if you could have been in one game, would it have been the double bird game I told you about?
2: Ryan, don't yeah. even know about that. Yeah, one. for
0: sure, it would have been that game because I I would have been fired up.
2: Ryan, there were there uh, Annie. You remember Annie? Obviously, yeah. Uh, she yeah. got tangled up with another girl. Well, she didn't like it very much, so uh, she said "F you" and flipped Annie off. Well, of course, she got the yellow card. And the parents, you know, started cheering on the sideline. So she turned around and gave the parents the double bird when, in which she got the red card. And then she walked right by the parents wow. and basically told them, exactly, exactly, told them, um, you know, what the F are you looking at? And and walked right by with the death stare. And I mean, I have never seen anything like this. I mean, the girl's 15 <laughs> years old and she wanted that smoke from whoever wanted it
3: man that's crazy and that's hey crazy. hey i ain't
2: gonna lie because hey i know annie ain't gonna be listening hey annie you know annie kind of got in her face but when that girl got serious yeah you know, i noticed annie kind of
0: walked beard off to the side a little bit <laughs> she, so she ain't trying to stoop to that level like you, you you don't match stupidity with more stupidity like that's just dumb. but yeah um ryan like i i appreciate what you do and and like you got a talent and a skill set and probably a level of patience that most people don't. So like, man, keep doing your thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask Johnny a few questions before we get you guys onto our game called this or that. But um, Johnny, let me read off some of these titles, man. You're, you're director of performance at traction sports in Mississippi, CSCS, XPS Altus, and you got a BS in exercise science. You coach pro college and high school athletes, man. All right, let's start, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's start at, obviously you, you switched from accounting, got your BS, exercise science. You, what is it about exercise science that drew you in? Was there something like when you decided to change your study where you're like, I want to do this as a career, so I need this BS and exercise science?
1: I was gonna go to PA school. I was gonna be a physician's assistant. That was where it originally started. Um, And then I had a teacher at a summer class, Dr. Webster. He he made exercise science very interesting. And I really enjoyed the science aspect behind it and just how the body worked. And, you know, then I, you know, at the same time I was fighting. And then I was like, okay, these go together hand in hand. And um, I thought about how unathletic I was in high school. And I wanted to use, you know, my knowledge maybe more athletic, which I still didn't really do that. I didn't really start taking fighting too serious until I got 25. Um, so I was about 20 at the time. And, you know, I just honestly, I was at one point, I had this really good buddy, and he actually stuck with it. He's getting his PhD and doing his dissertation right now at uh, East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, which is where one of the Olympic training sites is. And um, I really wanted to get into research at one point. And then I went and did my internship and that's where the strength conditioning thing came from.
0: Yeah, when um, when I was in, I got a I got a degree in exercise science as well. And when I was in school, I found the lab portion more, I, I found that more fascinating than the actual like coaching and like training part of the exercise science like i wanted to like do supplement studies i wanted to do like biomechanic analysis studies and 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 help aid in performance that way instead of like the training piece but obviously now you're you're uh the director over at, at traction like what what does that entail
1: uh like my my job or what exactly traction is uh
0: well what it let's talk about the the what Traction is, and then what your drive there
1: is. All right, so Traction started, I think, 12 years ago. Um, My boss, Max Trawilly, you know, he kind of started this all on his own um, out in Baton Rouge. He actually, you know, he got hurt playing college baseball, and that's what made him get into it. uh, He opened up in Baton Rouge, small location, built it from there, and it turned into – humongous thing in baton ridge louisiana um and they're actually a big baseball guys um so we have 30 tribal baseball teams i think 10 softball teams um a lot of the old lsu guys work there i hate to call them old so i guess um like brad cressy ron terrio Oh, man, Not can, me, really can tra- I get a
2: can I get an invite? I know you see my background stuff. I ain't nothing but LSU. Can, can, can I get an invite down there? Oh, hey, yeah. I get
1: some autographs? Come on, man. Um, but yeah, Tractor's really big baseball. Um, baseball probably actually eighty percent of our company, and then you know twenty percent the strength conditioning. To be dead honest, but he's always been a sports medicine strength conditioning guy, and you know he started he trained uh, Terio and Fontenot and all those boys. And uh, it just really kind of blew up from there. Uh, then they went from, you know, the small local, just like mom and pop to kind of like, all right, now Kaylee has a part of it. And then uh, Ryan Clark on ESPN, he's the director of football for us. And it's just been the thing, we're the second location. So they actually hired me out of Colorado. I actually moved back from Breckenridge, Colorado. I was up in the mountains and I moved back to Hasbro. To, Run the second location in Mississippi, and you know, eventually, yeah, you know, hopefully, we plan on opening more.
0: So what What do you on a on a day to day basis? What What do you do?
1: Everything. Um, so I I moved from Rocking Ridge, and I opened this. I was the only worker employee we had for eight months. Um, pretty much, uh, janitor uh clean the place we had a dinner too but I did that to clean the place um take care of the money you know kind of partially kind of division partially not division you know I kind of just collaborate with my boss on like you know exactly what's how we're going to take you know what we have and make it into what they have in Baton Rouge and so I have my I'm the director of performance but I'm also kind of director of the business so we have you know uh, private basketball training. We have private baseball training. Private softball training. We have select baseball teams. We organized select basketball teams. I kind of fell off. Um, we we'll partnered with the Hattiesburg clinic, so I have to basically coach. I coach all the time. I'm always on the floor, and then I have to manage. You know, uh, everything. You know, I have to have my hand in the basketball, hand in the softball. Uh, I gotta be. I'm actually the director of our baseball teams as well, which I'm not a baseball guy whatsoever. But I, mean, I played high school baseball and maybe could have walked on and played a little college juco, but, I mean, not everybody can do that. Uh, yeah, so anything that goes with the business, the day-in, day-out function, the uh, relationship we have with the clinic, trying to build the vision that my boss has in my ball fast in Hattiesburg. You know, I'm all hands and I wear a lot of hats. What, uh, what's,
0: what's more difficult? Managing adults or coaching kids. <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough question.
1: Um, so I don't coach any of the kids, but I do have to coach. I've coached kids before. I'm um, gonna I mean, honestly see managing adults managing adults are definitely harder than coaching kids.
0: Absolutely,
1: especially when you're younger than them. <laughs>
0: hey, and and that that's a that's a tough thing when when you're. Leading people, because I don't, I don't like to call it telling people what to do. Sometimes you do have to tell people what to do, but you, you're in a position where you're leading people, and getting people to trust and buy into the leadership and the philosophy and the vision, man. Like it's, it's like pulling teeth, man, with some adults. But um, what's, what's the five year plan? Like, take me five years from now. What do, what do you see your role as with, with the company and, and where the company is in five years? Yeah, I got a bunch of five-year
1: plans, but I'll give you the one. <laughs> but uh, I'll give you the one. Yeah, maybe it won't get me in trouble. Um, so me and my boss talked about it before, and uh, I'm a strength conditioning guy, and I will always be a strength conditioning guy. And you know, I want to have my hand in the baseball and all that, but my passion is strength conditioning. And my idea, my vision is to, you know, I'm from my background is from a place called Exos, and that's the XPS on there. And they have, you know, multiple locations where they train, you know, NFL combine athletes, they train uh, about not any athlete on the man. I mean, from Japanese pole vaulters to as a Japanese pole vault bench work of the african Um pole vaulters from the Olympics to bobsledders to MLS guys. Yeah, that's what I, you know, I love strength conditioning. I want that, I want it to be, you know, one of those mechas for strength conditioning, and I want us to open those. And partner like how we are. We partner with the Hasbro Clinic. They're partnered with Brock, Br Beverage, Beach Clinic. You know, hopefully we can make our way in Alabama, Tennessee, keep it a little bit more local. And I want to be, you know, I'll be the guy that runs all the strength and conditioning programs, and everybody will just kind of cheer under me. That's really kind of the five-year goal for that.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you said a lot of them are baseball guys. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, base up here with, with Jacob Billingsley, where we're at. Um he, he, just, cool. he just got started, but he played for the Houston Astros and played for Mississippi State. But he basically is, is doing something uh, along the lines of what you're doing. And then there's, a, there's ELP, which uh, is a whole not, whole nother story. I, I don't even know if I should open that can of worms, Daniel. But there's a lot of these facilities, and the reason I bring them up is um, it seems like baseball players seem to be the most invested in putting in that extra work and that extra time. Um, so when you said that, you know, I don't know. It, it's 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 pretty it's pretty unique. I don't know. Well, you, you gave me a look. What's that look about?
1: All right, elaborate on the extra time for baseball players.
2: These guys in these facilities, they're you know, and maybe it's a money thing. I don't know. Like, of course, You know, cause I was a football player. You know, the extra time you don't go to the off offsite facilities. You're usually at the school plan but uh, on these uh, whether it's been the elp or the base um and then baseball. what you said i always see the baseball players are the ones who are always like going to th- these facilities more than any other sport
1: as far as lifting or all right well, I'll... Yeah, you were talking um... about the
2: endurance and doing the, the whole the whole process it seems like they're I, I don't know because I wasn't a baseball player. I don't know if they yeah. needed more or what the, the kids – like I said, I played football, and we did everything at the school. Like, we didn't go – we didn't go off-site to do things.
1: Yeah. I think times definitely to change for sure. And like, as kids get older, it's going to be a more common thing. Like, I will say my high school and college guys that are baseball players really get into it. Like, they are grinding. They're getting it done. I don't coach the college baseball guys. I've got a Perry turner that coaches them. Phenomenal dude. I mean, baseball is his thing. Um and I might go out of the way here, but that Jacob Billings we got, I don't know if they know each other. I feel like they're friends. I feel like he's talked about him before. Um, well,
2: well, who we're not friends with is the, is the ELP. I've decided. I'm going to bring it up to you. So, um, you're a fighter. So, it's going to be a little bit different for you because y'all train with your shoes off a lot, right? Yeah. Um, but as far as baseball players, it's not normal to see. And Daniel was a, was a high school, college baseball player and a college baseball coach. And, and so it's something that wasn't the norm for him. And so we had one of our baseball players on and I had a video that I had posted of us working out and Daniel had made just a funny comment about, you know, work out with your shoes on because you play baseball with your shoes on. Well, ELP, their whole foundation is they believe in the, I don't know, the one with the earth is Daniel called electromagnetics from there. And so they don't believe when you walk in the gym, you take your
1: shoes off. What is your yeah, thought I'm process okay. on that? Um. Okay, you're an athlete. Play with your shoes on. Lift with your shoes on. Like with the feet. But there's a big, and my buddy Perry might get a little upset about that. But uh, I'm I have, I'm very opinionated when it comes to strength and conditioning, and like, I hate Bosu balls. Um, but as far as bare feet, um, yeah, you're an athlete. You can if you're in a deadlift or squat or something like that, and you have like some structural issues and you need a little bit more body, a little bit more body wearing, a little more proprioception, and then maybe take your shoes off. But no, those guys that are doing all that stuff. Like it's, it's, eyewash. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, they're trying to make it, a buck for sure. It,
0: yeah. It, here's, here's the way I see it is that it's, there's definitely some philosophical beliefs as, as to why people think you should train with no shoes on. All right. There are Olympic lifting squats and, and, deadlifts and like the power lift that that i would say maybe w- would benefit someone of high caliber to do that but when i see stability and mobility issues and then now you're taking your shoes off to compensate or because you think it's the philosophy like you need to address the stability and the mobility before you even get under a bar and start doing deadlifts or squats um, 100%. That, that's, that's just my feeling. And I, I get like the, the reasoning and I, I, those who do it, like do your thing. But like my personal belief is I want to attack what the issue is. Why do you feel the need to lift with no shoes Well, and what was great,
2: Johnny, was he left the door wide open because uh, the the guest was Dylan Hale, and he had been hitting the fence a lot, but not getting it over the fence in baseball, and Daniel said, you know, had you been working out with your shoes on, you might have had that extra little oomph to be hitting it over the fence, (laughs) and so it's a nice jab, but then the, the ELP guys, we didn't even know them, but they took it as a personal shot, and so Next thing you know, we were getting busted on on social media for hating on a gym that we had never even heard of. But now we're very familiar, of course. But um, anyway, that was that was the off off tangent that I went on. But I, I was just curious on your take on that. Ryan, I know you work out with your shoes on, don't you? Uh, every now and then, yeah. Oh, you don't? Uh-oh, it sounds like you no. take them off. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. i kidding. Definitely wear my shoes. All right, well, let's get to a lighthearted game. We've been we've been serious asking all the serious questions uh, about, you know, y'all's, y'all's athletic careers and coaching and everything. So, we do a game with our guests called This or That. And basically, it's simple. We give you two options to choose from, and the only rule is you can't say neither and you can't say both. Y'all got that? Yeah, I'm nervous. You're nervous, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll let Ryan answer first to every question. That way – you you can oh, be the se- you can be the second one and you don't have to stress as much. So, if you could have a superpower, Ryan, would it be invincibility or be able to teleport? Teleport, 100%. Johnny.
1: Teleport for
0: sure. Where where are y'all going? Like <laughs> where-
3: man, I can anywhere? travel
1: anywhere. I want to die one day. Yeah.
2: All right, this is a this is an interesting question. Uh, Daniel just brought it to the show last week, and I, I'm ve- I'm very curious. Um, Ryan, would you rather go to jail for five years or be in a coma for ten years? Oh,
3: <laughs> like deep, what kind right? of jail are we talking about? Oh, uh, nah, that's not this part is, of this it.
2: is easy. this is <laughs> it's
0: it, 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 it's a deep question, right? Uh, let's go to jail five years. What? Nope. I'm taking that nap, 10-year
3: nap.
2: Come on, you're not even
1: going to remember it.
3: That's five years of my life. I get
2: that. All right, so we got we to gotta split. I like it. All
0: right. It's going to be but, a rough five years, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I <coming> mean, <laughs> hard.
3: You're too
2: it's cute. Be for some you. character, growth. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> All right, so, Ryan, would you rather make every green light or would you rather never have to wait in a line
3: again? Take every green light or never have to wait in the line again? Yes. Never have to wait yes. in the line again. Johnny?
1: I'm going to go never wait in the line again.
2: Yeah, y'all both went that. Uh, the the first guest that, that we used that on, he, ha- he clearly hated traffic because he wanted that green light. It was a no-brainer. <laughs> All right. So, Ryan, would you rather have a fast-forward button that you could use at any time or a rewind button?
1: Rewind. Johnny. Mm. Yeah, rewind for sure. All right, Ryan,
2: is it because you just enjoyed your past or is it because you'd want to change something?
3: Uh no, not change something, man. I've I've been blessed. So there's definitely been some been some days I'd like to relive again. Bless you, Johnny. You changing anything?
2: I
0: change a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny he, said, he would, he to would, he would try he would try harder.
2: Had
1: A couple nights when he's back.
2: I hear you. All right. This one's just for Johnny. I want to ask you: All right, Usman or Nate Diaz? And who's going to win or who do I like better? Who do you like better?
1: Nate Diaz, easily. All
2: right, Ryan, Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Messi or Neymar? Messi. Messi or anyone? man messy all the way up. <laughs>
3: that's that's Best what i was ever. feeling
2: like that's what i was feeling like we were getting with all right yeah. this was this was coming back to both y'all all right ryan coaching soccer
3: or playing soccer oh man god that's a hard one yeah Oh uh, man gotta be playing i love playing the game all right what about you johnny
2: you like being a coach or you like being you like playing sports better love fighting man <laughs> hit him in the I mouth love yeah all right this last one is our staple question it's been asked to every single guest that we've had start with you ryan let's see, let's see what it is would you rather have money or would you rather have friends friends for sure johnny how Anna much money money <laughs> all the money
1: all the money you want <laughs> but if i have all that money i
2: can't have any friends no that's not it's just friends or money usually the randy the other guy who's usually here will tell you if you have money you'll get more friends so basically true. you have to cut loose the friends you got to get the money i guess is the way the question works
1: Ooh,
0: i've moved around i think
1: i'm taking the money oh.
0: <laughs> Right, <laughs> that smart, smart man that's, that's the right answer that is good, ryan you're st-
2: ryan you're still young You'll you'll figure it out it's <laughs> they'll, they'll all disappear on you, and then you'll you'll find
0: yourself needing all that money to take care of your family.
3: Yeah, I'll find myself, bro. Right, sure.
0: bro. You just need friends that have money. There we go. That's it. Problem solved. Just be uh, friends with Johnny.
3: Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. All
2: right. So let's give y'all a chance. Uh, we'll start with you, Ryan. Man, is there anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, first, obviously, social media handle where maybe somebody follow you. Maybe a foundation, charity, school,
3: anything. Yeah, man. Just uh, man, keep an eye out for for St. Patrick men's soccer. Um, like I said, we've been training this last month, and man, it's, it's been the easiest job of my life so far. Uh, we got a bunch of kids in there; they're really good kids, man, and they showed up every day, bought in, and worked their butt off. So yeah, uh, if y'all if y'all live on the coast, man, come check out a game. Love baby There you go. What about you,
1: Johnny? Um, Instagram. Coach underscore J underscore Smith. Um, you can pretty much find anything about fights or attraction there. I mean, if you, you want to run fast, come hit me up. Come down to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. <laughs> got,
0: guys, man, I, all I can say is thank you uh, for coming on, man. It was awesome to, to get both of you all stories. And, and, you know, if there's anything we can do to help you guys in the future, just let us know. We'll be more than happy to plug whatever you got, promote whatever you got.
1: Appreciate it. Um,
0: yeah, thanks for having us all. All right, y'all go check them out. You can check out Johnny on Instagram, coach underscore J underscore Smith. You can check out Ryan on Instagram, Ryan underscore Warsham underscore. Also check out Ryan with St. Patrick Men's Soccer. They're going to be doing big things this year. But if you also like just hearing Average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback, as always, welcome. We're going to see everyone next week for episode 16, where we're going to have on Devin Fontenot, the LSU baseball closer. He's going to talk about what it's like being the caged animal in the pen, just wanting to get out and get on the mound. He's also going to recap the LSU baseball season and tell us what it was like with Paul Maneri's last season. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.